growing up in Southern California and driving down these back roads, I have never seen so many shot up signs in my entire life. Like we're, you know, growing up in California, there's no sign, there's signs and stuff, but they're not all shot up. Right. Right. And moving out of California, even when I was like stationed in Missouri and stuff like that, going on these back roads, because we're just coming back from the range right now. It's like shotgun blast here, nine millimeter bullet hole here. And all these signs are just all shot up. I don't know if it's like that in everybody else's neck of the woods, but wait, I I see a lot of that around here and I always pick it out too. It always just fascinates me that someone should, they're just doing a drive by on some sign or something like that. Over. That's how I see it. I don't see them like stopping, getting out of the car and shooting. I see them just hanging out the window, grabbing onto the seatbelt and just letting her rip. The, the, The other range down here in, um, New Raymier, the one I used to use, they used to put the animatronic deer out on that back road. I used to see the animatronic deer every week. Yeah. And he would be in different spots, but on the same road. And it was the animatronic because people just want to get out of their car and shoot stuff here. We drove past the junkyard and Frank was talking about railroad ties. Yeah, he's, yeah. Got a, he's got a fascination <laughs> yeah. with railroad ties. I'm like, I'm like, if I had a pickup truck and, a, and like a little helper guy, I'd be stealing <laughs> railroad ties everywhere because the railroad track dog. Uh, people drop all the old ties off and I'd be building forts. <laughs> <laughs> little, little Frank Lincoln log like houses. Frank Lincoln log forts and we'd be shooting out of forts on the range. I think that'd be cool. Hell yeah, it'd be cool. Fucking forts, man. <laughs> so you got uh, Frank from Sniper's High. And Mike from Mile High shooting. And this is the Everyday Sniper. Welcome back, everyone. Hope everybody's been doing well. We're, we're, we're driving back from the range. Uh, we just set up for our class. We had an interview with Aaron, and that's going to air. So you guys should probably hear that before this one. But uh, So we wanted to talk about Mike's performance last Saturday at the NOCO match at Pawnee with his, wind, or with his win in the wind. <laughs> so, I mean, 30 miles. Double mi- W. Yeah, I mean, 30 miles an hour is no joke. No, and you know what kind of prepped me for that is last year it was, and I put up a video of this on on the Everyday Sniper, where our top wind was like 48 and our low wind was 30. And just having that experience and actually shooting the entire match, and I was shooting it with a 308 at the time, and I think I placed in sixth, and you know, there was a squad, there was like an entire squad that left after like the first few... uh, first few um stages but i was like i'm gonna stick it out i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that but it's been months since that shoot and i've done a lot of different configurations on my gun since then so i've had like i've taken my six mil barrel off this is like six seven months ago i took my six mil barrel off put a 308 barrel on Mm -hmm. i took my schmidt off i put a night force on so I can study the Tremor 3 and understand how to use it. Right. Took my, uh, and then I shot Adam's gun with his 6BR. So finally I got to a point where I have my barrel on, I have my scope, I have my dope, I'm using my gun, and like everything just started lining up. But that morning, my my day started about six o'clock that morning. Typically, kind of like the cycle of operations is get up, take a shower, go over to Adam's house, and then we decide which vehicle we're going to use. And then we got to decide if we're going to, you know, whose gun we're going to shoot, why we're going to shoot it. Well, the decision already been made. I was like, I'm shooting my gun, my ammo, my scope. Right. But my scope, when it was taken off my gun, 
it got put onto a demo gun that they had to go down to the range and verify zero, like mm -hmm. make sure that the barrel was working and everything, everything was working properly. So my scope got thrown into the hat and it got put on a demo gun and then they started shooting that and then I got it back. So I, what I wanted to do is just take my scope, put it back on the gun, check my zero and call it good. Right. But I wasn't able to do that. I had to actually re-zero, you know, re-zero my caps back to, you know, the zero stop and everything. So I got to Adam's house and he's got a hundred yard target in his backyard. So he confirmed zero on his gun. He took one shot. He was like, I'm on, I'm not touching it. I took a shot. It wasn't anywhere on the paper. I was like, ah, okay. So we cleared it out. Um, Boresight. Boresighted it real quick. Mm -hmm. Got it on paper. And I, I mean, I was like, first two, I took two shots. And those two were off the X about, you know, like a foot, foot and a half, something like that. And I measured it, brought it down back, back to the X, took two shots and they landed like right next to each other. They weren't touching. They were just right next to each other. <clears throat> and that was five, that was my first five shots. And I was like, okay. That was your two one-shot groups? Yeah, that was my two one-shot groups. Mm -hmm. So they looked really good. They were really small. They were about six millimeters. Yep. Yep. And then... Uh, A little I was, wider. I was still behind case. the gun. Yeah. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was still behind the gun. I was running the bolt, running the bolt, running the bolt, checking the trigger and everything. I gave Adam my magazine. He was like, all right, I'm going to load you up five more. So he loaded me up five more. <clears throat> I got my comfort level back. I took five shots and then ended up with... You know, uh, one of those holes, it, all the five shots went through the right side hole. Gotcha. So I was like, okay, we looked at it and we said, okay, the middle of this group, you know, is the size of a dime. I mean, it, it was everywhere, everything I wanted it to be. So I was like, okay, we took the middle of the group, came up like a 10th and then set the zero stop. I looked at Adam. I said, today's going to be a good day. There you go. So positive mental attitude right there off it, the bat. Right? It makes a difference, man. So we got to the match and, you know, we did the safety brief and all, and we went out to our first set of targets. And I think you were the first shooter. You're yeah, like, I jump, I jump you, first. I, you usually do. You're I jump like, on first because I want to get it done. Right. And then it's that, what was that, that 305 or 311 or whatever the distance. It's 305 like and I missed. Yeah. And... Then I, got I don't think I've seen you hit that thing once. Never. I've never hit it. Never once have I hit it. 300 yards, I can't. I actually put poppers out today at 300 yards. And you're so convinced. You're like, that is not the distance on that target. We're all like, no, it is. Watch. And then bing, bing, you know, hit it a couple times. Well, they had. They had but I went back to shoot it when everybody was the second done time. and yeah. missed it again. Yeah. Admin, I can't hit it. It's got a force field, an anti-frank force field. It's got a, it's in your head. It is. That target is in your head. Well, in that rifle, I had no data, so I got to get, I'm That's not. true. Like, when you came, when you came up and we were talking about it, I was like, this ought to be fun, because then the wind started kicking up, and yep. I was like, this is going to be I was awesome. fighting windage and elevation. Like I said, at 200 yards, I was .3 off, which is a lot at 200 yards, because you normally only use .3 to begin with, so I was double off of whatever, so now I, I got it all sorted out. No, and a lot of those you know, corrections. You know that, well, you know well how a I, lot of those corrections that you made on the fly, I was like, it was like, all right, miss, and then you can hear Frank. I know what I did. Clang. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, that's. I, I think that's kind of the root of marksmanship is being able to to pick up a, a weapon or a rifle or a pistol or whatever and go, okay, I know what I'm doing with this. Take a shot. 
and then go, okay, now I have a baseline and then make the correction. There's a ton of guys that are out there that will just keep repeating the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. Here's how I fixed the problem. So yesterday I spent four hours at Mile High. Uh, we were doing a bunch of stuff, getting ready for the class, coordinating. So I walked in the back and I was talking with Fritz and Logan and Larry and those guys. So the shipper kid said, hey, to Logan, he comes over to Logan, he says, hey, there's a new shipment of Bartland barrels back oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there was a, there's left-hand gain twist. So I went, what? You got left-hand gain twist here in stock? And they were like, yeah. So I ran back there. I found a 6.5 uh, Sendero uh, contour. a light of the litter. Yep. I picked a, 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 a light contour Sendero, gain twist, left-hand gain twist, 6.5, stuck it on the shelf. And I said, this is replacing that Tika barrel because it's too slow. So this Tika, the TAC-A1, I'm going to replace the barrel already and switch over to the game twist. So the walls are really thin between the showroom and where the gunsmiths are. So that makes a lot of sense to me now because I can hear Frank through the wall going, uh, what would you say? Barrels or tires? Barrels or tires? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because somebody was trying to set, they were talking about setting one back. There, there was a guy and we were looking through the bore scope. I was there at Larry's desk. Um, we were looking through a borescope and there was like chunks missing out of this barrel. And so Fritz was talking about setting it back for a guy, for a customer. I'm like, just tell the guy barrels or tires and replace the damn thing. That's funny. So yeah, yeah that was me. Barrels or tires. Barrels or tires. Um, so on that, on that, um, so go cold bore, the yeah. cold bore shot. Yes. Then they added a KYL underneath. Right. It. So now you have, I think it was like a 200... 200-yard 200 200 KYL with really yards. small targets, down to like a half inch or some shit. They're pretty small. And yeah. so I took my shot at the cold bore, hit the cold bore, and I was like, okay, good. And then came down to the KYL and took a shot. And I was going off the data on my Kestrel. So on my Kestrel, I'm using a 4500 Horus. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have all the fancy switches and everything like that. It just gives you data. Right. So... I either round up or round down. So depending on what's going on or how my gun is, my gun's telling me, hey, dude, I'm shooting slow today. You know, it's it's probably this. It's probably the weather. It's probably right, know, cold, it hot, whatever. Or, hey, guy, I'm shooting fast today. So round up. So I'm at like 1.36. It's telling me to go to four. So I'm like, okay. So I usually round down. So what I did was I, I took the 1.3 took the shot that wasn't my actual data at this point i'm just giving you an example <clears throat> i took the 1.3 and i and i pulled the trigger and it was low on the target so i was like okay my gun wants me to round up today yeah so i just put a tenth on and ran the rest of the kyl and cleaned the kyl and it down to that little the one inch target that was up there and i was like okay cool so everything's good here let's move on got to the uh the tripod stage yeah, you were on the money on the tripod. I was blown all over. Yeah. I had the lighter one. You had the leveling base. I had the leveling base on yep. the really right stuff, which I was talking to some dudes that were in our crew. We had, like, three new guys yep. to the match. And we were like, hey, just jump on a crew with us, man. We'll go, we'll go out and have some fun. And we were talking about tripods because they didn't have a tripod or anything. So, we're, you know, we're loaning out our equipment. We do what we do. And 
I got cranky then because he asked me to walk back to my car to get him a hog sack. I used a bike. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So I'm like, why didn't you tell me that before we just walked 200 yards away from the car? <laughs> now you want me to walk back and get my vice for you and then come back. I'm like, why didn't you say you didn't have tripods and stuff? I got four in my car. Yeah, because everybody else was linking it to the Arca. Or yeah, the, the Swiss Arca. The, yeah, Swiss Arca. So uh, you had the one that had the center column. Yeah, I had a center column on a, um, on a 23. And the center column was wobbly. Yep, and we put them right next to each other, and we told them the difference between yep. the two, and then got up on there. So and really right stuff, leveling base, pull the trigger. A, a 33 with a leveling base versus a 23 with a center column. And then I had a BH-40 on it, which is the smaller ball head. So we were able to show them the difference. And that center column made a difference in movement because of the wind. You, right. You're totally. You, you have Mike a lower center over. of balance. Right. Basically. Mike came over and he says, "He goes, this is going to make you move, dude." So we moved everybody to the to the leveling base on the 33, which is the bigger, and and you popped it in. And the nice thing with, with how you do it is that you go center of gravity in the middle. You lock the, the rifle in on its own, and then you just kind of touch up to it. You're not free recoiling off the side, but uh, you're. I'm not you're, driving it either. Right. You're not driving it. So that's that's a good little tip that you were doing with that heavy leveling base with a 33 tripod. It holds his rifle, and by using the center of gravity, it balances better. And that's where the really right stuff mount on the AI is. It puts it right at the center of gravity, where the forend is. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to kneel, and I'm not going to try to get low on this. And I went for a standing position you did. on that one. And the reason I did that is because you got to take that that setup and go down the hill, and you got to shoot at targets that are in the grass. Right. So and they moved them a little bit. You can't see them from a prone position, but you can see them from kneeling. But I was honestly, I'm more comfortable standing and shooting on a tripod than I am kneeling and shooting on a tripod. I've seen that. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to stand, and then when I get down here, because you got to the, the the tripod's going to be off balance. Because that front leg is hanging off the front of that uh, yeah. that hill, yeah. So I collapsed the front leg. I got everything set up. I took my time. I had plenty of time. I didn't run or anything like that. I got comfortable and then engaged targets again. And Adam and I actually had a conversation. There's a couple stories involved in this whole thing that I think may help you guys, you know, achieve what you're trying to achieve. I had talked to Adam that morning, and we were talking about, you know, when you're on fire. How do you stay on fire? Right. So it came down to you can't focus on everything. Like we had that whole fundamentals podcast, like episodes like 26, 27, something like that. That's a lot of stuff to think about. That's a lot of stuff to do. And you're confusing yourself and you start to kind of question things. You're questioning this. You're questioning that. You focus on one to two things. You focus on those two By things. By practicing, here's my thought process with it, and I know exactly what you're saying, and maybe this will help you uh, kind of uh, uh, define it a little bit. Sure. I, I, my hand knows how to press the trigger. I know I need to follow through. I'm not thinking about that. What I am thinking about is that natural point of view. I'm coming in straight behind the rifle to manage a certain amount of recoil. So 
it, it's it's my body position and how I address either the tripod, this, the, the, the firing line or the rifle is consistent. I always do the same thing over and over again so I don't have to think about that natural point of aim and I don't have to think about coming in straight on the rifle. Then sight picture is all I think about. I line up on the shot, I make sure I have good edge to edge clarity and then 100% of my attention goes from reticle to target and then I let the, my, my trigger finger and follow through do the rest. I don't think about my breathing at all. I don't have to think about my natural point of aim anymore because I'm using my body position to make up for that. I'm not thinking about my press and my follow through. I just know I have to do them because I practice them enough. I'm doing them and then it's just 100% of my focus in the scope, on the target, through the reticle, boom and I'm done. That's what I did. Yeah, that's exactly it. I was like, I, I know how to engage this trigger. I've done it a thousand times. Right. I focused on my sights and keeping my sights steady. Yeah. That was my general focus of the entire day. I was like, I'm fighting myself, one, you know, breathing and all that, because you're going to breathe, you're going to move your sights. Um, how you engage the buttstock, you're, a little bit of movement is going to move the sights. But now we're fighting... I'm fighting a, a 22 inch barrel with a nine inch suppressor with 30 mile an hour winds blowing me, blowing the front of my gun all over the place. You saw that, we were talking that 84 yard target, how much that was blowing me up on there mm -hmm. with that center column. I was getting whipped and I just couldn't get it to stop. And when I finally broke that shot, I was trying to time it and I just caught the edge and I just licked the edge barely. You saw the little black on the orange come right off because I was moving in the wind too much and and that was the thing is that I, I was out of the game and I was moving around like a sail right so just all those things I was like you know I'm just gonna I'm gonna combat my sights today that's the only real serious thing I'm gonna focus on and trust my data yeah because it was telling me the right stuff in the first place it, it just you know it was speaking to me so I was like okay well this is how we're going to do it for the rest of the day. It gave me a thumbs up and I went for it. So um, coming out of area three, off the tripod did well. Uh, they put up a tank trap, so we're not using that tree anymore. Now we're yeah, off I of like the tank, the tank trap. traps. Uh, I actually sat down for that one instead of kneeling. I took my, my big puffy trouse bag, sat on that, got the gun steady on the tank trap and just, just let it ride. Yep. Um, and, so and there the was a dueling better tree. better because yeah. you got a wider base and with the wind blowing, you weren't off on one leg or one knee. Right. You know, so that was the benefit of going sitting because it, it flattens out your base. You're on your butt. So you're not getting the rock action as if you're, you've just got one foot on the ground and one knee on the ground. Right. No, precisely. Uh, coming out of area three, racked up a lot of points there. And then we went to area one after that on the cement pad. Yep. And the first shots there were... Uh, it was a KYL, so from big to small. Yeah, the 500s. They were all from big to small at the yard line, right, instead of the cold war over there like it used to be. Right. It used to do a 600-yard shot, uh, one shot like a cold war in case people started there. Now it's all the same, and it's it's like a KYL, but you don't lose points. That was the only thing on that stage. Right. But you had to run the rack. You run the rack, and it's... But you got to start over if you missed. Uh, no, not on that. You have to you have to continue on regardless of what oh, you do. Oh, is that what it was? You yeah, just but didn't, you just oh, get the gotcha, gotcha. you get the points in accordance with the size of the target. Okay. So it was like the first two targets that were really big. You get one point. The next target was two points. 
and then the next target after that was two points, and then the final target was three points. Gotcha, okay. So I think there's uh, all the all together, if you do the math, I believe there's nine points there. So I was like, okay, ran the first one, got my dope, like got my windage off of that because it's a huge target. And then I tend to shoot fast because I don't want the wind to change. I want everything to remain the same as much as possible, but keeping my sights on target. So again, that was my goal. I was like, okay, I'm going to go from this target to this target, keeping it nice and level and move my body behind the gun. Yeah, you got to shift your hips. Yep, shift your hips behind the gun and boom, boom, boom. It didn't take long for me to just clean that plate rack either. Right. So that was done. Yeah, was you like, were on fire with those stages. <laughs> um, then we went to the thousand yards. So you start at six and then you go out to um, a thousand and then there's that freaking little 820. Yeah, the, the, the four inch at 820. Yeah, the four inch at 820. So I hit my sixes, no problems. I hit the sevens, no problems. I was like 820. Like I, I'm feeling fairly decent on my elevation, but I think I'm gonna need to take a digger on this one and see if I can actually pull something away from it because I'm like, it, it's kind of, it's either one or the other. So I was like, I, I can miss and not know where I'm going to hit, or I can intentionally take a digger, have an idea of where I'm going to yeah. go, and then a, attempt a more what he's solid saying is chance. Like, instead of shooting the four inch 820, you have two rounds. Shoot one round and see where it is, like even if you hit the other plate, and see where it is, and then go to the 820. And what it would be is, oh, you took a miss because you shot the first one, but even if you hit a plate, it's the wrong plate, so you don't get the score. But now you know where your rifle's hitting at 820, and you can overlay that onto the tiny target and hope to get that little hit. Right. That's what he means by taking a digger. Yeah, I was, ta I was trying to take a digger. And if if you don't have a, a plate rack like that that's in front of you, or you, know, you have other bigger targets, um, shoot down towards the leg of the target or something like that you can see some dust come up but have an idea of you know what your hold is and it'll give you your windage right there make the measurement go to the plate pull the trigger ruler so yep. um i ended up missing my second shot on the, eight, on the 820 anyways but at least i had a, you know i was making a valiant effort for it uh, and then 900 and then a thousand uh, I think I got maybe one on each or two on one or something like that. But I, I ended up pulling away a, a good amount of points compared to what everybody else was doing on those targets. So I was like, okay, like feeling good. Yeah. You know? And the bitch too, in the heavy, heavy wind like that, the dust will sometimes lay so fast and flat that you don't even see the dust come up. There was a lot of people, myself included, that were taking shots at that like nine and a thousand, and we had no no impact, no idea. Yeah, because, the phrase of the day was no call. Right, no call. There was a lot of no calls, and what it is is that wind blows that stuff away so fast, it just never gets off the ground for you to see it. Right. So there was a lot of that. Then we went up to the barricades, yeah, and I, a, I left after that because my stuff was just all over. I think my greatest weakness is positional shooting, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Mine too. But I think I actually, because you have to shoot right-handed and left-handed, you get eight shots to do it in. And I think I got oh, that maybe like five good. or six of those. I do good on that barricade. Yeah. So I got like five or six of those, and I was like, man, I think that might be the best that I've ever done on the barricade. Mm -hmm. And then we went over to the uh, the super long shot for that particular course of fire. We went to area two. First stage is pistol. You run a one through five drill on three plates. 
and then you go to your rifle and then you shoot from, I believe it starts at 600 or 700 and goes out to 1250. So this was kind of like, this is a good learning point and this is something for you guys to think about as well. I was kind of telling Frank a little bit about it yesterday because he had left at that point and it was me, Adam and Aaron and uh, the rest of the guys on our squad. And Aaron was on the spotting scope and we were using a, a, a Swarovski STR-80. Which with, is awesome. Yeah, with, totally awesome. It's got a great reticle in it. And that way we can actually give these calls. So I go for uh, first round impact is two points, second round impact is one point. So I start running the stage and I'm, and I'm hitting, I'm doing good. And we got out to, I think I'm, I may have missed something on the 11, but we got out to 1250. To give you an idea of, of what 30 mile an hour, if you've never been in a 30 mile an hour wind, it's a 24, I believe it's a 24 inch plate that's out at 1250. And it was turning sideways on edge. The wind was blowing the, the wind plate. was blowing it so hard that it was turning sideways. So all I could see for about a second was the face of the plate. And then the wind would blow and turn it sideways so that you'd see that, you know, whatever. The knife edge. Yeah, the knife edge of it. So I was like, this ought to be interesting. And Aaron was kind of giggling on the scope. Yeah. So what I did was my, my wind call was 6.3. I remember this. It was 6.3. To give you an idea what that's like, it takes me, it takes my six mils, uh, 6.4 to get to a thousand on elevation. So my wind call is 6.3. So you had thousand yard wind dope on your, uh, on a 1250. Uh, yeah. On a 1250. So you're, you're, you had a, yeah, you had the, a thousand yard come up, come up. Your elevation at a thousand yards was what your wind was at 1250. Right. And now the front of my gun is blowing, right? Everything it's trying to knock it off target. So I, I milled the target real quick with my reticle and I use a, I'm using an H2 CMR. Well, there's only five dots on the H2 CMR. Right. I don't have 6.3. So I was like, well, I guess this is the one time that I actually have to dial freaking win. I always dial back to the center when I can. So Get something that big. What I did actually, I did it. I didn't do that. I dialed 1.3. And the reason I dialed 1.3 is because that five dot or that fifth dot in my mill hold mm -hmm. was a good reference point because it butts right up to a hard line. Gotcha. So I can't, I can't mistake that. Okay. So I'm like, okay, all I have to do is take this dot and put it in the center of that target now. So that's what I did and I waited. And I actually waited for the target to turn sideways. Now this is all happening in a matter of like three seconds, <laughs> right? So I waited for the target to turn sideways and then I pulled the trigger. So then it came back and looked at us. I hit it, but I didn't know I hit it at this it point. Because it turned away. Because it turned. <laughs> So everybody's quiet, nobody's saying anything, and Aaron goes, wait for it. And it turned back, and it, of course, it's like the only mark that's on the plate now. So he's like, impact, and I was like, oh my God, are you serious? And you can't hear it because the wind blows the yeah, sound away. you can't hear anything. So I was like, well, it looks like we're doing that again. So I waited for it to turn sideways, and then I pulled the trigger, and it turned and looked at me, and I hit it again. I was like, man, I... That's like some fucking rodeo trick shit right there. It, it was, man. I was just like, I was just kind of, I was trying to time it. I was thinking, well, time of flight, it's going to take, you know, a few seconds for it to get there. Yep. And it's hanging out for a few seconds. So if I shoot it when it's not there, it'll come back. 
So it was it was pretty consistent as far as like turning and coming back, turning and coming back. It was just a matter of timing. So then um, we moved on to the, the, you have a choice between spinning the spinner and shooting the bank stage. So you can bank points or you can right, spin the right. spinner the and bank. Get, it's, get your it's points. Hit a bank target, lock in your points, shoot the target, shoot the target, bank target, lock in your points, shoot a target, lock in your points, and you had to go back and forth. So I was like, there is no way I'm shooting off this cattle gate today like in the in this condition yeah i was like i'm gonna shoot off this cable spool and i'm gonna spin that spinner and in my head i was going last match uh when we had that uh sub freezing match yep yep i was shooting adam's 6br and i spun the spinner in four shots which is good i was like i can do that again today with my six creep no problem you get 10 shots to do it in I got it as close as I could to turn over. The wind was blowing so hard, I couldn't get it to freaking spin. Because it was against it? Yeah. yeah. So I was like, so I'm either losing points on this or losing points on this. And I'm like, my eyes are real wide and I'm, I'm shooting. I'm on like my eighth round and it just won't tip over, man. It, you can see it. It wants to go. And I'm like, come on. But it just wouldn't do it. So I lost all my points there. So I actually zeroed that stage. Okay. There you go. Then we went on to the hay bale holdover. So I usually jack that one up pretty good. It's all holdovers. There's no dialing. Um, and the last few times that I've shot it, I've been using a, a Horus reticle anyways, so a Tremor 3. And that thing is a total ninja when it comes to holdovers. It was designed for, right? Right, right. So with the wind that I'm holding plus the elevation, it's like, okay, I'm holding three mils and three mils and I went back to, okay, Mike, focus on your sights, sight picture, sight alignment, make your sights perfect. So I must have like checked both those lines with my eyes multiple times before I even decided to pull the trigger. And what we're doing now is they're at, I think it's at like 450, 550, 650 or 350, 450, 550, 650. Um, you shoot it once and then you move on to the next one mm -hmm. and then you basically round robin so you you have eight shots shoot four targets you come back to the first one you start over right go out come back so instead of getting being able to get that first a first round miss second round impact they want you to get first round impacts all around right twice twice yeah, yeah. two times running um so i ended up pulling six points off of that out of the eight just focusing on the sights the trigger does the rest yep so, yep um, I mean, that's why you dry practice. That's why you do the stuff to hammer in those fundamentals. That's what your dry practice is for. And then when you're out there, it's sight picture, reticle on target, boom, and you in your body position. So, you know, that's that's kind of weird because your hand already knows what it's doing when it comes to the trigger. Mm -hmm. And then, the yeah, your body position. You, like you laying on something like that, just the way the hay bale is set up, you can't get you can't get I can't it's, it's twice as big as well me. yeah <laughs> us bigger guys can't get directly They're behind the guy we have to sideways try to figure out me, a creative way to get right on right in the notch it's money um, I like the hay bale so I ended up uh, overall with 64 points and the there was Larry and his son that were right behind me I believe 58 and 55 I think they, they shot really close together yeah. And then Adam was in fourth with 53 or 54 points. 
and then it dropped off after that. I think Aaron came in fifth at 44 or something. I'd pull it up on my phone, but mm-hmm. I'm driving. I got cruise control on. And I'm talking. Uh, I can only do three things. We're talking and driving, eating the M and M's. So it was, it was very tight at the top. Like you know, within I think seven points, eight points, or something like that. Which is money. Which is a stage. So if I would have you know pulled a, been able to uh, flip the spinner, you know that would have increased my, my spread, but. I felt like I, I I performed well, and I kind of felt like it was it was just that time. Everything was lining up, and I was like, okay, stay focused. Everything's good, you know. Horse play around, you know, in between, mm-hmm. you know, in between stages, relax a little bit, have fun. Don't get cocky because you're gonna you're gonna think too much of yourself, and then you're gonna miss something. You're adding another step, or you know, whatever the case may be, you're gonna fall off that horse. So I just went through it calm and chill and i was like all right you know today's the day there you go so that was it that was that was that was mega I money just, i just did and, what and needed here's, to be done here's another thing too if you guys are listening and there's a local match look think of the variety of stages we just talked about the difficulty in these little two three hundred yard targets and then going out to 1250 the spinners the barricades the positional stuff it's three segments with three stages in each segment, and it's a variety from handgun to 1,200 yards. Mm-hmm. And this is giving you that good, like now guys are talking about they're going to shoot like a prep match next by April. Yeah, they, they actually, they want to do guys are talking our match a weekend early so that they can prep for the next weekend after that. I think there's a mayhem match or yeah, something. Yeah, uh, Nebraska or something or NRL or whatever. There's matches There's matches the following weekend. So guys are asking to take this little event and bring it one week forward in April so that way it gets them trained up for the national match. And I think Paul already made that adjustment on, yeah, on the schedule. Yeah, he talked about so, it, right. Yeah, he, I think he actually made the made the event the call. live on Facebook or whatever. And, um so that's that's really cool that he did that. I'm I'm all down for that, man. Any way that we can help out somebody who's going to go to that, you know, go to that next level and stay at that next level, I think that's, that's awesome. huge. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's th- awesome. th- and this is the benefit of the local match stuff. It, it's so chill. You know, you get to look at your equipment. You get to look at what works, what doesn't. You come back and make adjustments. You see how the adjustments work. You go home and diagnose your problems again. You make adjustments, and, and even though, like, I, when I have stuff going on that's not working out well, and all this, I'm still writing stuff down. I'm running over, and I'm writing all this stuff down, so that way, there, when I go home, I can diagnose the problems. I can look at it and say, "All right, I did well here. I didn't do so well here. What was my di- what was my problem? Okay, well, I was getting, I didn't have elevation either really well." And my windage, both of them were messed up. So my data was terrible. I got to redata the rifle correctly. You know, positional. What do I got to work on? Like Mike said, the barricade. Maybe it's timing. Maybe it's getting through in a stage with a, with the appropriate amount of time. Because you don't want to shoot a stage too fast, and you don't want to shoot a stage too slow. So you got to try to find that timing to where you're maximizing the amount of time they're giving you, so you can relax and take the right amount of hits. But then again, you can't be taking too much time where you don't get finished. I think a lot of it, too, is between your ears, man. It's and a ton between your ears. It's 
like I've never seen anybody perform well that is angry or they're like they miss a shot and they got angry about that and then they rush the second one because they think they're losing time right whatever so then they miss that one and then it's just a downfall of things like I can't believe this is happening I can't believe this is happening I can't believe this is happening to me and I've never seen anybody really perform well under that kind of pressure I've seen a lot of guys that perform well with you know that just that positive mental attitude and I think that that brings a lot to the table there just your mindset the mindset is huge with precision rifle you know because you got to remember the the, the 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 bullet doesn't go where the muzzle's pointed with a precision rifle right we make like mike's you know he's holding six mils of wind that is way the hell off of the target and he's arcing it in he, he he's you know, doing the curving the bullet, right? Angelina Jolie curveball. <laughs> I was totally going to Angelina Jolie with that, but I mean, you're arcing these rounds up, over, and in, and so, and it, that's what precision shooting is all about, right? So we're we're trying to do calculate all these different angles and stuff and get it to work. And if your head's not in the game, you're not doing the math right. And I don't if, even know what's that like the inches on that. I'd have to do the math, and I don't. Have, I could pull my phone out and, and do. Um, you know, you you do three point six inches, and you'd multiply it by the by the uh, by the six and a half mils you used, and then you got to multiply that by twelve point five. Right, and so, then you have that much of a cone that you're working with, right and left. Right. So you're 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 you're, you're multiplying the math, and then multiplying it for the range, multiplying it for the mils, and then multiply it for the range, and that'll tell you how many inches horizontally not just vertically but horizontally Mike was off the target so there's, there's your homework there's your homework guys figure <laughs> it out post it on the Podbean app for us and let us know what it is because I'm not going to take my phone out and, and do it I'm driving <laughs> in the passenger seat so, yeah. um, he's backseat driving I'm backseat driving and I got a sliver in my finger and it's driving me nuts so uh, but that's 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 all the different things we're working with and why you can't always relate a pistol competition or a three-gun competition to what we do because for the most part, and there's a few exceptions in, in minimal number of shots that way, but for the most part, where they point the barrel is where the bullet goes. If you point your finger at the pistol target, that's where it's gonna go. If you point the finger at the carbine target, that's where it's gonna go. I know there's a couple out there, stages, they do some farther stuff, 300 yards, things like that. But for, for the majority of it, it's point your finger and hit, point your finger and hit. Where us, it's not. There was one more thing I wanted to share about the wind on that day, and this was actually on the holdover stage. I totally forgot to bring it up. But there was a point like I had the Kestrel up and it was like, okay, it's 29 miles an hour. It's pretty consistent, 29 miles an hour. Here's the thing that sucks is there's like a, a tree barrier mm -hmm. next to it. So you can't really feel it. You have to go somewhere else and find that wind. And then you have to look at it downrange. So what I came up with, my solution was 29 miles an hour. I was like, okay, my dope on my arm commander is gonna be, it's gonna read for 29 miles an hour and I'm going to stick to that. Well, I got up there and I was, you know, I was on my first stage and I was getting ready to go into the second stage of my trigger and the wind let up for a second. So what I actually did, I was like, no, we're still shooting 29 miles an hour. I'll wait for the wind to pick back up. And I waited for the wind to pick back up and I pulled the trigger and I nice. hit. So I was actually, I was 
go. I, I wanted to shoot more in the wind than without the wind because I didn't know what the low end was at that right. point. Right, you hadn't looked at the whole spread. You just knew your max was, and that's where it was majority. Right. You know, when I had doped out my rifle on the on the pad and those on those KD ranges, and I I did that. I had it at twenty four five at that time. So I had it figured to match up to 24.5. And even then it was a little tick off because I was like low left on some of it when the targets got too small. I ended up being down and a little left. Yeah, but so, you use your senses really what it comes down to. You know, you can see what's going on. You can feel what's going on. Use, yeah. your, use your senses. And that's kind of what happened to me. I was like, okay, I'm about to pull the trigger and the, and the wind started letting up. And I was like, eh. so I let off the trigger and I waited for a second, picked back up. And then I re-engaged and hit my targets. So think about this. You got a match winner, even though it was a local match, not a, you know, but you got a match winner giving you a complete debrief on how he goes about getting this done. You can't pay for that, man. And you're not. It's funny. I talked to some people. I'm not going to say any names, but <clears throat> we'll be out at the zero range on a first day at, like, you know, one of the big matches. Be like, hey, how do you combat wind? Oh man, I just hold on the plate. If it's anything else, you know, I just, I, I probably won't hit it. You're like, dude, you're like one of the top shooters in the U.S. <laughs> Come on, man, give me a little bit more. Right. Tell me go. what you, tell me what you're doing. Oh no. And then some guys, uh, to be complete jackasses, will get up from shooting after they hit something and be like, oh yeah, the wind's switchy out there, man. And it went all the way down range. It's coming from the right. And you get down there and you believe them. And then, you know, you're, the wind's coming from the left. Yeah, run your own game. Yeah, run your own game. Don't try to do what everybody else is doing. They're probably not going to tell you anyways. I'll just answer it. Yeah. So just because, I mean, the wind episodes are the big ones and stuff. Just go in and tell people how you're using the information that you're getting early on to understand what your rifle's doing in that wind. So we ran into an issue... Uh, last match with the Kestrel because like we had it in a pouch or we had it inside of our jacket or something like right. that so it was giving us a false temperature mm -hmm. and it I think it kind of messed with the with the elevation a little bit I was having trouble on the 6BR trying to get it to my elevation you know what I'm seeing versus what Adam is seeing because we doped the rifle to him right. it's his rifle um, but that comes into play with the wind for me so on this last match, I left the Kestrel hanging around my neck the entire time. So right, you did. Collecting actual data. You can see in that video, the Kestrel bag is actually like on the back of my head or whatever, because I use the Kestrel bag as a windsock. So I tie the yeah, bag. Yeah, I use the string too. I yeah. use the, the lanyard. I use the lanyard, yep. but then I tie the bag to the lanyard and I, and I let that be my windsock. So then I, I see a lot of guys that they'll try to gather data, but they're not gathering it from the right direction they, you know they may be coming from the eight o'clock instead of the nine o'clock and they're just like oh okay well this is giving me the most for what i am but if you turn just a little bit you might get a little bit more and have an idea of what the actual wind is doing so whatever direction that that uh that bag is blowing you know the opposite direction obviously where the right, wind is at, coming in then I, I feel like i have true wind so i go okay well this is my true wind then i'll sit there for you know a minute minute and a half yeah. And just watch and just watch and see what it's doing, so I can try to find those consistent numbers. I'll find a number and I'll and I'll think about that number and I'll think about that number and think about that number, and then it'll go to the low end. So I'll grab a low end and I'll grab a high end. And then I'll do the math in between. So I'll look at you know, at this at this distance, it's your wind call at the low end is uh, two tenths, 
and your high end wind call is seven. Well, if two tenths and seven both end up on the plate and it's blowing, I'm probably gonna pull the trigger. Right. Just cause, uh, I mean, that I'm gonna take my two tenths and, and we'll, we'll say it's, I gotta shoot into the wind on the left. I'll take my two tenths, put it on the left side of the plate and if seven tenths lands on there, I feel comfortable. Whether it's, you know, yeah, picks you're, up, you're I'm, I'm going to hit it. I don't know where I'm gonna hit it precisely, like down to the 10th, but I'm going to hit it. Once it hits, then I go, okay, it landed right directly in between. So now on the rest of these, if I have my low end and high end written down on my arm commander, I go, okay, well, until something changes, until I feel a change or see a change on the target, I'm gonna go directly down the middle. I like to deal in more absolutes. That's just kind of like yeah. my quick thinking on it. So I'll either wait for a low end or a high end, or hopefully it's consistent. If it's consistent, I'm just feeling the wind, feeling the wind, feeling the wind, getting ready to break the shot. And I break the shot and it hits. Uh, my bolt is pretty much already ran at that point. I'm shooting again. I don't waste any time because I don't want it to change. Yep. yep. So. I don't, and, that's, and that's like an F class thing too, where they'll shoot fast and, and different stuff like that. Although that's they how Adam taught me to shoot. Yeah, well, because you come from bench rest as well, yeah. they'll shoot faster when they know that it's not going to do that. The F class, they have to wait for the target to go up and down. But in certain group situations, those guys will shoot really fast. So that that, that is definitely a technique that people use. Uh, you know, in some cases, it's whipping so much. I, I don't really think we can beat it. But in other cases, you definitely can beat it where it's a little bit more consistent wind. So you want to stay in that consistency before it, it, it's varying. You just have to gauge it, like I said. You also have to look at the terrain, though. Yeah, the terrain. Well, because we've been terrain out you. there. Yeah, that the, terrain is a lot. The terrain's going to tell you. It's going to tell you whether it's coming from left to right or right to left. But it's going to give you uh, just that much more. Where here is like you can look at the grass there. And go here is not blowing as hard as it is out there. Right. I'm gonna need a little more wind. I'm gonna. Yeah, we're being shielded somehow. Yeah. So... But out there at the target, look at. There's no no. There's no safety for it. It's just coming straight across the plains. Yep. And at that any grasslands, and it, it's just cruising. At we're... that mile per hour as well. You know, wind works like water. You hear that all the time. Wind works like water. It's splashing up against these hills and it's moving around it yep. real fast. And if you have like a cut or something uh, that you're shooting into or some type of draw, it's probably moving a hell of a lot faster in there than it is on the outside of it. Just, we were setting stuff up today. Forcing it through. When you guys were shooting and I had the camera eyes behind you, the wind's coming from left to right. I turned around and where that connex was, it actually came back and I saw it come across and it lifted up that dirt that I use for the sandbags. Yeah. And it whipped it back to the left because it came off that Connex box. It did a curl and a spin like a wave and then it went the other way. Mm -hmm. And so it actually went into the wind with a huge gust of dirt. And I was like, damn, I wish I had the camera on and could have shot that because it just looked so cool, but it was against the grain of the wind right you know so it, it terrain has a huge difference obstacles and things in the wind's way it, it, it will it will change its uh characteristics so you have to be aware of that stuff being between you and the target another thing is trust your data yeah you, you get you went out and gathered that data for a reason trust your data 
I see a lot of guys are like, okay, well, it's it's doing this, it's doing this. My my data is telling me to do this, but I'm going to do this. I don't know why they do that. It's like, dude, just just trust it. See if follow the if process. If it doesn't work, then why are you even using that? Right. So I would change. I was changing a lot of clock directions on my Castrol as well, just kind of messing with well, the, we the internal. Yeah, too. we were moving around. And there was some of it that was, you know, 90 degree angle out me. And there was, you know, eight o'clock, seven o'clock, um, 11 o'clock at one point. And I started thinking of the windrows from the, from the yeah. forum. And I was like, okay, you know, we got 50, 75, 90%. And then I was like, well, let's see if my Horace is going to give me that information. My 4,500, my Kestrel. And it did really well. It gave me my high end, gave me my low end that I asked it to give me, and then it changed it as we went. And when you start cha- by changing the clock direction, it made me that much more accurate and gave me a better idea of where I needed to be. Because I was like, dude, you got to keep on top of it. You have to keep on top because you're it. moving. Yeah, you're moving around, but also, like in those conditions, it's it's going. You're it, you're going to be affected. Something is going to happen. Something's going to change. You may not be. You may not be able to deal with it on the fly. No, this is all good stuff, man. So, hey, this is this is this is precision rifle gold that Mike's giving you guys, and and, and it's good for this ride back, coming back. We're getting all set up, and, and I'll have a little bit more uh, for us before the weekend comes next weekend, where our class, because we'll be out of pocket, both of us, and we'll try to do something, maybe even there. We could do a little 30 minute or at lunch or something. We could talk about, have a round robin with people. Aren't you doing a video out there? Yeah, we're going to have a video crew out there. So we're going to definitely be getting video and stuff like that. I got a crew coming because we're going to do a little bit of virally stuff with it. Um, but definitely. Frank from Sniper's Hide. And Get Mike back. from Mile High Shooting. And this is the Everyday Sniper. We want to thank you guys for sharing it. We want to thank you guys for listening. We want to thank you for sending in the questions. And, and, you know, if you have information or questions about uh, uh, gear and equipment, barrels, things like that, like I was talking about picking up that left-hand gain twist at Mile High, give Mike a call at 303-255-9999. You can also hit me up on my email, MikeAtMileHighShooting.com. And you can find me at SnipersHide.com. Uh, go into the forums. You can PM me. I'm Lowlight, L-O-W-L-I-G-H-T. Oh, let me ask you about that low light where'd you get that from it's the gi joe guy the little one in the 80s when the gi joe's oh. went from 12 inches to um to the action figures yeah the yeah. little guy the, from- the one with the rubber band crotch thing yes yeah 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 low light was the sniper for gi joe when it was the tv show in the 80s <laughs> so i was the low light because it was the little tiny action figure then instead of the 12 inch ones i thought it was because you're short and light no it was because that's because you're that low was the and one light G.I. Joe, low light, but he was a cop sniper more or less. He had the goggles, the red night vision goggles. And I'm the, googling he had, this right He now. had the I'm, watch cap. I watched a lot of G.I. Joe. Dude, he was the freaking um, he was the uh, SWAT sniper guy. Low light was the sniper. I'm googling that. Google the shit out of it. <laughs> and so I was low light back when I was in the Marine Corps because I had the low light little figure that hung around with me. You just brought it around. It was like your mascot. Yeah, my little mascot, my little buddy. I would talk to him. Did you ever see Gladiator with Russell Crowe and he had his little figurines and he talked yeah. to him in the beginning before they tried to chop his head off and shit? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes, did. he had it. So watch Gladiator. Thank on you guys, guys for being you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank, thank you. <laughs> All right, man. We're out. Peace. Later.